This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another Matt Law special. It's January, which usually means, Matt, you are busy running down transfer rumors left and right, but it just seems a little bit quiet. So I'm excited to uh, hear from you what is going on inside Chelsea Football Club. Obviously, mixed results makes it a little less exciting for us fans. Yeah, it's quiet everywhere. It's um, Everybody you talk to seems to think that the last 10 days to week of the January transfer window will will be the busiest time. It often is, but it's, it's really quiet everywhere at the moment. There's been a little bit of outgoing business, both from Chelsea and other clubs. Tottenham is really the only club who've done anything coming in, incoming. But yeah, yeah, a quiet start. But I think it will. a quiet start usually means to busy finish, I, in my experience. All right. Well, I mean, we're recording on the 10th of January, so plenty of time for a busy finish, no doubt. Um, but as always, we want to encourage everybody to support the podcast if you like it. Five-star reviews, free uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel free as well as Discord if you want a paid way to get involved. And then Sam's uh, Tactics newsletter drops every Wednesday. So find a way to get plugged in. Support us means a lot. But Matt, what we really can talk about at the beginning, so is Ian Motson just uh, headed out to Dortmund. Uh, it's a six, yes. It's a half-season loan, um, and that's it. Is that my understanding? Is that correct? That's my understanding, yes. Um, I am told that he will, well, he has already agreed a new contract, I think, till 2027. Um, that has a release clause in. We don't know what release clause is, but I'm told that the new contract is very much for negotiation purposes come the end of this loan. So Chelsea believe that he can increase his value at Dortmund, that, you know, there's a, there's a good record of players having gone to Dortmund particularly young players from England who have managed to increase their value. Um, and therefore, they wanted him on a longer contract so that when it comes to the end of it, they can be in a better negotiating position, which would suggest that any release clause would be pretty high because um, there wouldn't be much point uh, doing that contract for negotiation purposes if the release clause was very, very easy to meet. So, look, it looks like, to me, it looks like quite a good bit of business for, for everybody this, you know, given that Matson has, has barely sort of started games this season, hasn't been given a chance to really make an impression on impact. I don't think his value would be particularly high in this January transfer window um, to go and negotiate a permanent fee. So sending him somewhere like Dortmund, which is a high-profile club, like I say, English player, he's not an English player, but players from England, have, have gone there and, and done well. I do think it gives them the, the possibility to perhaps achieve quite a good transfer fee. I'm told the loan isn't particularly with a view to Ian Matson coming back to Chelsea. I don't think anyone from either side expects that to happen. I think it is everything about this deal is about him, him leaving the club permanently in the summer. Interesting. Yeah, he just had a bright preseason, but you know, as we noticed, Poch never played him in defence. Um, then I think he played him a little bit more towards the end of the calendar year. And I don't know if this is publicly or if I was just reading this on Twitter, Matt, but that Poch's concern was his ability to deal with like attackers in the physicality of the Premier League, which is why he only trusted him up in attack, which to be fair to Ian, he's not bad in attack either. Um, but that's why they're looking to move on from him is they just feel like he doesn't fit that left back, left wing back role that Chelsea need. Yeah, I think he suffered a little bit because I also think that, um, Pochettino, it's been very clear that Pochettino's wanted to play quite a physical, to have a, some sort of physical presence to the left of Thiago Silva as well. 
Um, and I think Ian Matson's potentially suffered from that a little bit. Um, he obviously is quite a, a small player, as it were. He, he, for whatever reason, doesn't fancy him as a left-back. You know, managers do and don't on, on certain players. He obviously didn't have the quality, um, but Chelsea have got an awful lot of players in those areas. So, look, it, like I said before, it, it just makes a lot of sense from everybody's point of view. I think it's good from everybody's point of view. It's being done relatively early in the window. Um, and yeah, and, and Ian Matson has, has changed agents, I think, as well to do it. I think mm. he's joined up with the same agents as Caicedo and Jackson. Epic Sports, that's quite interesting. They're obviously have influence at Chelsea these days after doing some big deals. So um, yeah, yeah, so, right. on the face of it, a good one. But let's, let's hope he goes there and, and plays as much as they're promising because, you know, we've seen with a few so far, this season that Chelsea players have been promised things with loans that haven't quite come off. Yeah, obviously I haven't watched much of Dortmund. I'd be interested to see, uh, you know, kind of where he would slot in and play. I mean, he's a dynamic player, as we all know. The, the last question I had, Matt, is, um, or I guess not really a question, but you, you mentioned that Dortmund is great for increasing value of players. And it just reminded me back to Mishi Batshuayi going to Dortmund, doing well, and we somehow decided not to take thirty million for him at that point, and it just never recovered <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's stories like that everywhere, isn't there? But yeah, well remembered. I'd forgotten that, to be quite honest with you, and I'd, I'd actually forgotten that it, it done quite so well there. So yeah, the, there's a history of a, a Chelsea player doing well there. Good memory. It's in one of my uh, nightmare memory files, unfortunately. Uh, but anyways, um, Andre Santos came back very expectedly immediately. As we all know, the loan to Nottingham Forest did not go the way anyone wanted. Even with the change of manager, everyone just felt it was best to bring him back, Matt. Um, it, it, what, do you have any idea? Will he be staying with Chelsea with our in midfield injury crisis? Or will, do you think the club are looking to move him out again? Well, look, I think this is a an interesting one. There's, they don't need to move particularly quickly on this because he's gone up to link with um, Brazil's under-20s uh, for a tournament and he's not back till February in any case, which complicates the match on one hand, but also means there's no, you know, it's pointless anyone. Nobody's going to take him now in any case because uh, he can't play at the moment. So this is going to be something that rumbles on throughout January, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, also, Chelsea need to be careful about uh, the amount of domestic loans. There's obviously limits on that, and they'd have to be uh, they'd have to be quite sort of clever in the way they do things to, to free up a domestic loan for him. I don't think they know properly yet quite what's going to happen with him, and certainly nobody I I am speaking to can give me a definitive on what they want to do with him. I think all options are, are currently open, including the option of him actually staying at Chelsea for the rest of the season. But it's going to be one for, for late January, basically because he's away at the moment and no one would, would take him at this point anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, that by letting him go was kind of a clear indication that they weren't really worried about pushing him out to some somewhere else. But also, with the midfield injuries we have, I was really surprised that he he's not... I guess, valued more in the short-term immediacy. But I suppose if he plays, he's locked up for the rest of the season, right? If he plays, he's locked for the rest of the season. That's right. He can't go anywhere. So they've got to be careful on that point of view. Um, and yeah, like I say, he wouldn't be... I don't think they could really... They, I mean, they could stop him going to Brazil, but I don't think it would be a very clever move by them. I think the player wants to go out there. He's not played any football. 
he's not going to want to hang around at Chelsea and be stopped from going to play for Brazil to, you know, sit on the bench or be part of the squad and not get on the bench. So I don't think there'd be much value in that. So it, it's just a wait and see us slightly on him. He's, um, like I say, it's, a compl- it's quite a complicated situation with him at the moment. And given how badly the first half of the season went, which I know Chelsea are disappointed about, I think they believe that the conversations they've had with Forrest initially didn't pan out the way they, they'd sort of been told they would in terms of Forrest's business to free up some space for Andre Santos. Um, given how badly that first half of the season was gone for him, they can't afford to get it wrong in the second half of the season for him. For sure. And, and then just to clarify something you said earlier, if he comes back in February, the window's closed. Isn't he stuck at Chelsea anyways? Well, so, what, what, what I'm saying is they'll leave it till late January to gotcha. either make a decision that he can go on loan or not because he can't he can't play for any club he goes on loan to before February. So they won't they won't leave it until February before making the decision because as you say the window will be closed. Um, but it'll be late January before uh, they know whether they decide to, to loan him out or not because of club who might be interested in taking on loan starting from February, as it were, uh, isn't going to do it beforehand, uh, you know, in early January. Um, but yeah. it's, it's easy to do these things. You know, clubs quite often fly out to tournaments. You know, you've got the AFCON going on. You've got the Asia Cup going on. It's not unusual for clubs to fly out to tournaments to go through medicals and agree moves. So him being away as such doesn't, doesn't uh, make life too difficult, I don't think. I literally put in my notes, it'll be just like signing an AFCON player. So that makes sense. All right. I appreciate you clarifying that. I'm, I'm catching up. It's early here, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. All right, everybody, we're going to take our first ad break. When we get back, we've got more first team senior players that might be on the chopping block. Thank you to the sponsors. And we'll be right back. All right, Matt. uh, Another one who's picked up rumors is Trevo Chalaba. But again, I'm confused how injured he is, or is he just kind of laying low waiting for a move? He just posted on social media that he's healed, he's healthy again. So, what's what do you have any idea what's going on, Trevo? Yeah, look, um, he seems to be back fit again, um, in training again. Um, That'll all be geared towards a move. You'd imagine with his injury record over the first half of the season, having not played at all, I can't believe anyone's going to take him on anything but a loan. Um, also, given you know what Chelsea would believe he's worth when fit, I'd have thought valuation-wise, again, it'll make sense for them to, to find a loan for him to try and then be able to negotiate something better in the summer or have some sort of option for the summer once he's proved his fitness. Um but yeah, he's he's suffered the nightmare first half season. But the timing of his uh, of him coming back to some sort of training is good. Albeit, anyone who signs him is going to have to give him a little bit of time to, to bed his way in and get match fit again for sure. Any any links or ideas? I, there was one with Jose. I could see Roma are definitely in the market for central defender. They they've all seem to be shopping in the same pool actually, because you know Roma have, have seemingly looked at both. Um, Eric Dyer and Trevor Chalabar and also were linked at one stage with Dragozan who has gone to Tottenham uh, Bayern Munich made the hijack bid for Dragozan which they've lost he is going to Tottenham and therefore I think they're turning their attention to Eric Dyer although they definitely do still retain an interest in, in Trevor Chalabar um, we know that Forrest came in late in the summer window I don't 
off the top of my head see see that one reigniting. But certainly, I think probably Eric Dyer is ahead of Trevor Chalabur in, in Bayern Munich's targets at the moment. But that's not to say that, that Trevor's out of the picture there. And, and Roma are certainly in the market for a central defender. And he is, seems to certainly be one that they've looked at. I don't think they have a lot of money to spend in January. So a loan, again, would, um, would suit Roma, I'd have thought. Yeah, Roma, I'm trying to think. Uh, obviously, um, Tammy's there. Right, so I, I'm sure they're talking a lot about that potential and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, the, the path to Italy has been quite, quite kind on on Chelsea players in recent history. You know, Chelsea players have gone out to Italy and done well, um, and so I, I do think that you know, Serie A for him, having not played at all in the first half of the season, might be wise. We've seen Chris Smalling go out there and actually revive his career slightly over after leaving Manchester United and doing well at Roma. So, you know. Italy for, for Trevor Chalabar would would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day too, Matt. I was uh, I, I needed to do a little bit of homework into this, but I was like, the amount of players that leave the Premier League and excel in the Serie A is quite higher than players coming from Serie A to the Premier League and excelling. It's it's different. They're a different league, different beasts. We just saw Christian Pulisic essentially hit a counterattack uh, in one of their recent matches for AC Milan, but he did the same thing against Man City. So, you know, it's not... Apple's, you know, it's it's not impossible. I just, it seems like a lot of players from the Premier League are really enjoying their time in Italy right now. Yeah, look, I think the, the, the slower pace of the league, having come from the pace of the Premier League, means that it's it's kind of an easier adaptation period going that way than it would be to, to come from Italy to England. Um, the way of life seems to suit a lot of players who come to the Premier League for some reason. Um, and also now there, there are, are a lot of players, you know, like you just said, you quite often find that in in the Italian, certainly the big Italian teams, when they when they move, there's, there's generally someone they already have played with or already know. Um, so yeah, it seems a good adaptation league. The only, the one thing that counts against Italy now is they've had a tax rule change, um, and it used to be quite easy for Serie A teams to to buy and loan players from England because they got a tax break basically, and therefore they could afford. The, a lot of the wage packets that these players were, were earning in England, that's now changed and they don't have the tax break. So we will find that financially moving from the Premier League to Serie A will become more difficult uh, because players don't have that tax break and therefore clubs will find it harder to match salaries. It's always something, right, about uh, <laughs> the pay packet and, and different things. Obviously in Spain, people were struggling with the uh, marketing tax and things like that but uh interesting it, it's yeah all right well, well anyways i mean chelsea i mean way, way before this ownership chelsea now for kind of over a decade have, have had a really good market actually of selling and loaning players to italy partly because of that tax break because it was one of the few places where teams could afford the, the high wages that, that chelsea were paying or certainly big portions of them and it is an interesting point to be made in chelsea that that avenue won't be as easy as it used to be for them. And it, it used to be a very good avenue for them. Well, that's fascinating. Obviously, directly, uh, you know, important to this. I wonder if maybe France or Spain will become a little bit more appealing then because of that. Or it'll just be more Possibly. parody because it's not obvious that Italy's the cheap option. Possibly. Or it'd just be more difficult to, to shift players outside the Premier League, which again mm -hmm. isn't could become reality as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let me see here. 
Um, I don't, I, I've got one that I'm holding on to, but as far as like links to, to leave, I don't know if we have too many, unless you know of something that I'm just completely oblivious to because we have so many injuries. I think the people that would normally be on the bubble come January, uh, for loans or exits, they're, they're injured and we have no idea kind of what they're going to be or where they're going to be at, um, at this point. But it seems like Noni Matawake's revived his Chelsea career. And I don't want to say it as if like he was down and out, but I think there was definitely talks about him going on loan up until this last match. He had two goals in two and seemed to be, you know, in really, really good shape. Yeah. Um, I think if you'd have asked me a month or so ago, I'd have said that were a good loan or permanent offer to come in for Noni, that there would be, quite a good chance there um i wouldn't completely dismiss it still but i'd be quite surprised now given his latest form given that ian matson who has obviously been you know a squad player as a winger basically rather than a left back has already gone um and given that players are, are suffering sort of you know not recurring injuries but coming back and then getting injured again um i would be a i'd be more surprised now but i i don't think Noni's future is necessarily nailed down on the back of a couple of good performances yet, albeit I think he's in a better place than he was. Um, one who is quite interesting, uh, who will come back and go out on loan, is Datro Fofana. Uh, he's going to go out to Sevilla on loan. Um, his loan at Union Berlin just hasn't worked on any level. He seems to have had a personal problem with the coach. He Form-wise, he hasn't done very well. So he's going to try Spain instead of Germany now. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's another loan who might come back. But yeah, there's, there's going to be bits and bobs like that. But you're right. The, the injury situation does mean, again, that things are going to get delayed because even if the players themselves who might go out on loan aren't injured, the, the fact that they, they need to keep players within the squad to start with while injured players come back um, definitely affects things. I think there's been loan interest in Gilchrist um, but I would be surprised if they allowed him to go out on loan at this stage. Um, not surprising, there has been, by the way. He's obviously done very well and um, got a reputation as, as a player with quite a bright future. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit wait and see. For sure. Obviously, with uh, DDF, as we love to call him, David Datro Fafana, um, everyone thought that was the most brilliant loan move, but even when it looks amazing, it, it still has to, to go through, and it just didn't, which is unfortunate. Sevilla will we'll hopefully give him a new a new lease on being a striker because he's young, right? I'm thinking he's like he's definitely under 21. Um, yeah, I mean, look, my my take on him would be he's been a terrible signing. I've got to be honest with you. I don't Fair. I don't understand his sign. I don't understand his signing on on any on any scale, and I didn't do it at the time. He's 21 years old. It's not like he's 16 or 17. There's no real track record there to suggest he's ever going to be a Chelsea quality player. There doesn't seem to be a track record that they're going to make a massive profit on him either. He's, he's a signing who's puzzled me from day one. He didn't do anything when he was at the club. He's done nothing at Union Berlin. He's got an awful lot to prove at Sevilla. And yet, look, I'm sorry to be harsh, but I've got to be honest, I just think he's been a really poor signing. He, Yeah, he came in like so surprising right and like who do you know who was like pushing for him at the time because he was never i know he got a couple appearances uh for the club but it wasn't because he was ready it was because oh gosh we literally have no one else to to put in at that time um 
that he came yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, this... he, 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 he was actually, I think he was the first signing of last January. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he joined basically at the end of December and, and pretty much came in on January the 1st, last January, of that, of that wild January of signings. Um, but he's, he's so far off it for me. And I, I, I wouldn't like to speculate or, or point the finger at uh, who was necessarily sort of driving that Fair. one. Because I just, I don't, I don't fully know. And to be honest, because it hasn't worked out for him, yeah. um, you tend to find that everyone points the finger at everybody else in these situations. But look, you know, I, I'm sure he's an honest lad. And if he can make it work to some degree at Sevilla, maybe they can... Um, they can get some money back from at some stage for sure um fair enough uh, alfie gilchrist you just mentioned right there and some of these other players it's like you don't know when the next injury is going to pop can we really afford to let some of these players go especially alfie can flex with the uh, the dev squad he'll play come in the 90th minute like alfie will play right back he will jump his face in front of a ball that's being cleared like <laughs> It seems like just an easy one to have around the squad right now. You're dead right. And I think it would do him better to be around the squad and getting on the bench and making a few appearances. I was really impressed with him, by the way. I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. I did, so I wasn't at the game, but I watched it on television. I'm pretty sure Alfred Gilchrist was one of the few Chelsea players who went over to the away fans uh, at the Riverside Stadium. Um, and I thought for such a young kid to, to already grasp that, I thought it was really, really good. Um yeah, look, I, I think he'd, he'd benefit massively from just being around the first two squad for the second half of the season. I suppose the only thing might be um, that were, and I, I don't want to get into a debate on this one, were Chelsea to go out of the FA Cup this month, um, would that come into the thinking? Because that would obviously take away games and potential game and squad time for him away from the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I, I and the, the fact he can fill in at, at right back is a, a massive plus point given the problems Chelsea have had and have gotten that position injury-wise. Yeah, only one fit fullback across both flanks. Obviously, Malagusto. Alfie being able to come in and cover on that right side, I think is huge, Matt. Um, and I think it's good for him. Totally like agree. Lewis Hall was a six or an eight, you know, for the the Dev Squad came in in the Premier League and rocked up as a left back and like competed very very well as an 18 year old same thing with alfie hey you mainly play center back maybe right center back in a back three go play right back make it yours learn it and and you can get minutes like this is all about these youngsters find a way to get to that next level he will not care and uh you love his passion and excitement i mean he'll clap up the away fans on a loss because it's his first chance to clap up away fans he's like gonna take in every opportunity he can but it's also the right culture which we love um yeah. all right all right, I, I gotta ask. This is this is the one I've been I've been dragging my feet on a little bit, Matt, Mister Connor Gallagher. Yes. There's so, a little bit of posturing in the media. If I'm reading between the lines, I, I, you know, I, it seems like we're starting to get the 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 press briefings here, and and I'm not saying that about anyone or things like that. It just feels like there's starting to be a little bit of talk in case he does go. This may be a bit of talk in case this go, although I think Pochettino, with every time he talks about him, makes it that little bit clearer that he, he definitely wants him to stay. It was really interesting this week ahead of the Borough game when uh, Gallagher's name was brought up with Pochettino because he was basically asked whether... Because Pochettino, at the weekend, had had um, a meeting with Paul and Stanley Lawrence, Jürgen Badarag, Bali, 
um, regarding the January transfer window. So Pochettino has just asked a very sort of straightforward question of, you know, was, was any definitive decision made in that meeting over Conor Gallagher? Pochettino said no, but what he decided to bring up himself, because nobody else knew about it, was he then said, but if you're asking me if I've had talks with Connor about his situation, then yes, I have. And he he very definitely wanted to put it into the public arena that he had had the heart-to-heart with Connor. Um, he then went on to praise his mentality and everything. And as I say, every t- every with every time Pochettino opens his mouth on Connor, I just feel he gives a little bit more away that he really wants him to stay. Um, there's not a lot more to be said on Connor that hasn't already to be said. Although I'm I'm told that uh, rival clubs still believe that Chelsea want actually over would want actually over over 50 million to to consider selling him. Um, no one's going to hit that. So if that stays the case, he won't go anywhere. The only way he'll go anywhere is if for some reason that valuation decreases within January. He's not on a list of players that Chelsea have circulated around clubs. He's just a player that clubs know um, is probably attainable if the right figure gets hit because of the contract situation and just because of the, the way the situation has panned out. So would this hypothetically, I don't know how to, uh, because I'm trying to think like clearly Potch wants him. He's standing captain. If he were yeah. to go, hypothetically, d- does that mean that, like, I don't know, Poch doesn't have as much control? You said he's not really bothered by that stuff. It just seems seems weird. Is it really just a money thing? Like, if they can get 50-plus million pure profit on the books, like, they're going to jump at that? Is that the driving kind of reason? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, with 18 months in his contract, they just feel that certain numbers won't be hit again. Um and they haven't been able to agree a new contract with him. Um, I think Connor's form has slightly complicated matters for Chelsea because I think Connor can rightly argue that he, with his form, with the fact he's wearing the captain's armband, with the fact he's in the England squad, someone of that profile would definitely earn in, in today's money, you know, around 150 grand a week at most top clubs. Um, that's probably complicated it because that's put a value far higher than, than Chelsea probably thought they would have to pay him to get him to sign a new contract. The, the whole situation has just become very, very difficult. Um, credit to Connor, I, I think, for, for the way he's conducted himself. And look, Pochettino's not really the top. He wasn't like this. At, at top, I remember at Tottenham once, Tottenham sold. Moussa Dembele in a January transfer window, who was Pochettino's best player. And Pochettino didn't sort of throw his hands up in the air, in, the air in rage like a Conte or a Mourinho would and, and go mad. But, you know, clearly there was a resignation there that his, his task was made tougher by it. And I think that's probably how he'd, he'd react if, if Chelsea sold Connor this month. He's not going to go storming in and go mad and threaten to quit or anything like that. But equally, sure. I think he'll be... I think he'd be frustrated by the fact that it would just make his his life that bit more difficult. But he's while he wants him to stay and is making it pretty clear he wants him to stay, he's he's also sort of holding his hands up and saying, This one isn't really my decision. Mm. I find it look, I find it as an outsider, if you want my opinion, yeah. My my opinion is I find it crazy because I just cannot believe that any other I can't believe that Klopp, Guardiola Unai Emery, Mikel Arteta would 
be in this position with their clubs. I think all of those those guys, if they had a captain even with 18 months on his contract, I think they would be able to turn around and say, no, I don't want him sold in January. And the club would would honour that and, and say, OK, but this is a situation we're going to have to look at in the summer. I don't quite understand why it has to be different for Pochettino at Chelsea, but it seems it has to be. Is... And you can just say no, right? Uh, so my concern is: <laughs> is this a is this a a problem internally at the club evaluating Cobham talent or players that they have without loan fees? I'm not saying this is a mere image of Mason, but it seemed like they were struggling to find the value potentially there. If you know, 150 week doesn't seem crazy for Connor. He's proven at West Brom. He's proven at Crystal Palace. Like he's proven at Chelsea. He's not proven in the Champions League. Like, okay, we give him that. Like, there's still another level for him to go. But Connor loves the club from everything we can can read about and assume. You'd think that he'd want to find a, a deal. And I feel like Connor is probably the guy that, until a week before his contract hits zero, will still be trying to negotiate one or have things changed a little bit. And um, it's just not as, I don't know, maybe simple or straightforward as it, as it used to be. So this is me surmising. This is my sort of... Fair. Uh, take on this rather than anything anyone's told me. Um, I think that Chelsea's reluctance to give him a contract bears from the fact that I would guess, and this is a guess, that they think he's overperformed in the first half of the season and that giving him a four to five year contract to reflect the value of how he's played in the first half of the season may become a risk because he might not be able to keep that up. That is a guess. Um, but that's my guess as to why they're reluctant to kind of offer him the contract that I would say he's he's made himself worth. Um, from Connor's perspective, I think Connor would sign the right contract tomorrow. You know, you ask Connor, he wants to stay at Chelsea for life if it's right for him, but he doesn't have to do anything. You know, Connor's playing. I think it'd be different if Connor wasn't playing, but Connor's playing every single game. He's the captain of a lot of games because of the injury situation. He's also, you know, his importance was under, really underlined, I thought. You know, that, that Middlesbrough game this week, because it's a semi-final, you know, was Chelsea's biggest game of the season so far. And Conor Gallagher was rested ahead of it for the Preston game because he's so important to them at the moment. So Conor just doesn't need to do anything. If he wasn't playing, as I say, it'd be completely different. Um and I, I do believe that with a right deal offered to him, he'd, he'd sign it in an instant. But, you know, it's a big moment for him. He can't just sign anything. Um, yeah. And as, and as I say, he's he's put Chelsea in a slightly tricky position with the way he's played. And, and my guess is that they think he, they could get stung if they gave him a four-year contract on those kind of wages, is that maybe they don't think he can quite keep it up. Like I say, I want to stress for anything that gets clipped up here or gets taken by the aggregators that this is a guess and not something I've been told. A hundred percent. We are trying to connect dots and be educated about what we think is going on, but this is tricky. It seems like from a fan's perspective, this is black and white player wants to be at club performing well <laughs> signed and done, but Hey, I accept it's not always that simple. All right. I appreciate that, Matt. We're going to take a last ad break. When we get back, um, I got a couple of surprise loans to talk to you about. And then we're obviously going to talk about transfers in. We haven't even talked about strikers yet, which is crazy. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, Matt. You nervous that I've got surprises for you? No, I'm always used to surprises. Come on, hit me with them. 
Keppa. What is going on, Keppa? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Kepa. I was reading about him on my way into my office this, this morning, actually. Yeah, it looks like he's number two choice all of a sudden at Real Madrid, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be a, a major blow to Chelsea. One that they don't have to fortunately think about at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that'll be a major blow to Chelsea if, if that gets to a, a situation whereby Real Madrid don't want to make that permanent at the end of the season. Come on, Carlo. We thought we had a deal. <laughs> it started off so well. Uh, I know he's picked That's up an injury. Say. Yeah, I was about to say he did well, didn't he? He did. He did really well to start with. It all looked. It all looked to be going swimmingly, and then I think it's Lupin, isn't it? Um, came in and has done well. And he, he also Lupin seems to have the support of the of the press over there for some reason. He, he seems to be quite a popular figure. Um, but yeah, I was I was only reading this morning that now they're both fit. That uh, that it looks like kept a second choice at the moment, but. A long way to go in the season, and fortunately for Chelsea, that's not one they have to worry about for this month. Right, and and with Spain, especially, I think like in Madrid and Barcelona, like backing of the media is a big deal. Uh, like I feel like I've read well, over the years and stuff. Like if the the media really have a lot of sway on like public perception and even kind of like if players are playing or not. Versus you know England, I feel like it's you guys can say what you want to and take it or leave it. That's fine. But Madrid is a different beast. Madrid and Barcelona definitely have their sort of uh, papers that they deal with very, very closely. And actually, I would suggest it's the other way around. I think there's probably some influence from the clubs on on what um, on what gets written. I, I think it's that way around more. Um, so it's interesting if they write in support of Lupin, uh, because I would suggest that that would that would be people within Madrid sort of encouraging that a little bit um, but I, I don't know that I don't know for sure yeah for sure no no no, all good so here, here's the deal Matt his contract expires this summer June 30th 2024 Keppa is done hey, would any idea on options I mean Keppa most expensive goalkeeper in the history of the beautiful game seven-year deal which was unprecedented at the time uh, obviously that's when Courtois left we thought we had Alisson locked up uh, end of the window scrambled for Keppa. Ups and downs, right? We don't need to to judge the player. I'm just more interested in any idea what Chelsea are going to do? Just let it run out and be done? You've actually caught me on the hop there because I, I, I'd forgotten that his deal was out at the end of the season. It's already been seven years. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Well, he's not their problem then, is he? Quite simply. He's not their problem. Oh, I apologize. 2025. I'm sorry. His loan deal. His loan deal is 2024. Transfer market's making it confusing on me. I got a lot of dates. 2025, so there's still a year left. I thought you'd caught me on the hot bed. Yeah, that, that's right. So Chelsea will have a problem at the end of the season. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, back to where I thought we were, fortunately. I thought I'd made a bit of a massive oversight there, so I'm quite relieved. But no... Um, Hey, who knows what happens in the summer with him? Like I say, Chelsea will just be very relieved. It's not a problem in January. There's a second half of the season to come. I think if he can make a, 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 a get back in the team and make a success of it in the second half, I think the expectation, the hope was that he would join Real Madrid permanently. Um, certainly that's what Kepa would like to do. Um, so, yeah, they're just going to have to hope it turns back in his favour over the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, that was my... Otherwise, quite... Otherwise, quite frankly, massive problem for the summer in terms of sorting out what happens for his final year. I'd have thought they'd have to look at another another loan with a small loan fee just to get them through that final year. It's all it's all they would possibly have available to them unless Kepa fancied going to Saudi Arabia, which 
I don't know. He seems like a guy who wants to end up back in Spain for me, to be honest with you. It doesn't look like Saudi Arabia has turned out to be the uh, the place that players wanted to be all of a sudden. There's a little bit of an exodus, it feels like, people trying to get out in January. Yeah, that, that will become a problem for that market. You know, if, if players do actually um, start start leaving it and start, you know, within six months, there'll be a lot of players then who get cold feet over the prospect of, of going there. It'll be a real problem for the Saudi Arabia League. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um Looking inwards again, uh, do you have much insight on Chesare Cassidy or Gaga Slonina in, in terms of their loans and development? Or is it just, hey, continue on, we'll assess at the end of the year? Certainly on uh, Cassidy at, at Leicester, I think they're, they're very pleased with the way it's going. I know he's sometimes a little bit in and out, but I think it's generally been positive. He's playing in a good team. They're playing well. He's playing enough. He's having an impact on games. He's scoring in games. I've, everything i haven't heard loads about it but everything i have heard about it i think that they're pretty satisfied with that one and that that's heading in the right direction on on selena i've 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 got to be honest i haven't really uh spoken to anybody on that yeah that's fine right and also i don't think it's gone well especially from results i think this is definitely a challenging year for him over in belgium and uh Part of that is good for goalkeepers' growth, but with uh, Petrovic coming in, uh, I think a lot of people forgot about Gaga. And he's young. He's even younger than than Jin Jorge, so he's got time to develop. But, uh, you know, always always got to ask with the American angle. So, of course. So, transfer in. I like how we've gotten to the 39th minute of an episode of Matt Law, and I haven't even asked you about what's going on outside of the <laughs> walls of Cobham. But do you have any idea of what positions Chelsea might be looking at in January? You kind of let off at the beginning of the pod saying, it's, if anything happens, it'll be late. Does that mean it's because it'll be a reactionary signing? I think, yeah, I think this 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 January is quite interesting when you compare it to, to last January. So, if you go back to last January, around the start of the month, I looked at it, I think Chelsea were around eight points off the top four at the start of January uh, 2023. And that gave the club um, false, what ended up being false hope and false encouragement that they could make a run for a Champions League place um, over the second half of the season. And of course, the club was still in the Champions League and actually doing very well in the Champions League. So the club had two things to chase last January um, in regards to Champions League and felt that they both they had an opportunity on both fronts to qualify for the Champions League. And that that's why, to their detriment, they chased January. You know, they they overspent in January. They really chased deals rather than waiting and seeing what would happen and maybe putting their foot on the ball. And they, they basically tried to buy their way back into the Champions League through the January transfer window and it blew up in their faces. Let's let's be honest about it. And I think most people at the club would accept that. This January is different. Um I think at the moment they're about they're 12 points off the top four, 11 points off the top five if Champions League ends up going down to uh, top five. Obviously, they're not in the Champions League, so there's no, there's no way they can get in through other means. And I think there is an, a better acceptance this January that, you know, they're not going to qualify for the Champions League. They could spend 200 million, 300 million this January, and they're not going to qualify for the Champions League. Therefore, they're not going to chase January. And I say this with, with the knowledge that all best laid plans sometimes go awry in, in transfer windows. But the, the plan is not to chase the January transfer window in any way, shape or form like they did the last January transfer window. And instead, anything they do will probably be more reactionary. E.g., I do think there is a, 
potential for them to now look at the left-back position. Um, obviously, Ian Matson didn't play left-back for them, but I think this, with Cucurella having his surgery, I'm not really sure when Cucurella's due back. Chilwell is due back very soon now. He is sort of back in training, proper training now. I think any time now we'll, we'll see him in a squad, even possibly for the weekend, certainly if not the, not the weekend, it's quite soon after that. But again, they'll need to look at how how he looks when he comes back. He hasn't played since September. Um, and he does have a history of, of picking up more injuries. So I, I do think there's a chance of a, of a left-back being done either on loan or or permanently as some sort of sort, sort of squad left back. Um, I haven't got names for you at this, this stage, I'm afraid, but that that's certainly come up and one that's been looked at. And then, of course, we'll always we'll talk about the striker. But I, as I say, I think it's more looking at, at where where the where the month takes them in terms of results and injuries and availability. And also where the market moves within the month of availability of players, rather than last January they chased it from the start because they they wrongly thought that they had this target they could probably get, um, which just isn't there for them this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, and that's I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, but again, it's like a short term thing because you have you know two established starters at left back. They're just not healthy which is a problem. Uh, I think a lot of people have looked at the striker's position too, Matt. I mean, I think we've, we, my word, spent two transfer windows worth of a budget on the midfield, uh, which, by the way, I've been harping on has been a problem for years. So we finally got the midfield players we want. They're just not healthy, and I include Connor in that. Um, so strikers, right? Goals. Goals are the problem. We, we obviously saw our inability to score against Middlesbrough last night, um, which was... Uh, a problem. It's not as simple as Nico Jackson. So, uh, any thoughts on the the striker conversation uh, for for Chelsea? Well, again, this has become really interesting because I, what the plan had been was that Nkunku was going to come back, and they were going to take a couple of weeks to look at Nkunku in that system and look at Nkunku and whether he personally would add goals or whether just his presence and his his sort of general play would help others score goals. And, of course, now that opportunity has been taken away because Nkunku's out for a couple of weeks. Um, so they're not being able to look at Nkunku in quite the way they'd hoped and judge it from that perspective. So that has definitely complicated things and made things more interesting um, because the plan certainly had been to maybe spend the first half or so of January seeing how it played out with Nkunku in there and seeing whether actually him coming back would would solve a lot of the issues that were there. Um, And that's been taken away from them. So what they can't do in January is spend £120 million on a striker. So we can forget about Ossiemen. I think Tony, everybody in the game thinks Ivan Tony's going to stay at Brentford this month. Brentford have slipped into a relegation battle that they didn't expect to be in. Um, and Ivan Tony himself has said that he thinks he's going to come back and score the goals to keep them up. And everybody you talk to within the game thinks Ivan Tony will now stay at, at Brentford in January. Um, that's not to say that can't change if someone comes in with a huge bid. I think Chelsea would be really reluctant to do that uh, because of his profile, his age. And like I say, they, they don't really have sort of 100, 120 million to throw around in this transfer window. 
it's whether something creative comes up. Um, I don't think the guy at Sporting Lisbon, Jai Corres, who has actually played, I say played for Paul Wynn Stanley, that makes him sound like a manager, but uh, Paul Wynn Stanley had Jai Corres at, uh, at Brighton back in the day. I don't think he's quite seen as, as what Chelsea want or need or in the long term. And that there is, you know, I know he, he massively splits opinion, but I still think there's a belief within the club that Nico Jackson is doing okay. Um, that if you actually look at his numbers in comparison to a lot of strikers who have come in, that he's doing okay and that there is a potential that he finishes the season with sort of 15, 16 goals. And if you can get an Nkunku back, maybe he'll get enough goals. I do think if they could, they would get through January without doing a striker and try and do what they would deem to be their sort of perfect striker in the summer. But whether circumstance allows them to do that, maybe they can't and they have to look at a some sort of stopgap option, um, whether that be a loan or another option, or look towards another young one. But then I think you have to talk about Broya leaving the club if they do that. Yeah. Well, and that's another one, right? It's like Broya, he's very much on the fence. Um, what's his fitness? Can he go how many matches in a row? Because obviously he got rested after after starting. So um, everyone's talking about Osaman, Sam, CFC Central, and Dan just did a pot on it. Sam's actually cool on that price. He he thinks it's too big of a risk at a hundred, you know, to one hundred fifty million. I, I agree. He's. I mean, Osimhen is not. He's he's not in bad form, but he's not in the form of last season. We've seen players come from Serie A um, and struggle in the Premier League. Obviously, Chelsea know only too well about a certain strike who came from Serie A and struggled in the Premier League. Everybody's the same. I get that, but at one hundred twenty million, I I would be, you know the certainly no guarantees there. I, I I agree with whoever said to you that they're, they're worried at him for that price uh, coming to, to the Premier League. Is there also a thought that like we have never ever had our full team together and that we actually don't know how good our team is at this point in the season because of all of these injuries. Lavia rocked up for 60 minutes and got injured. And Kunku showed up, got a few matches, injured. Like, Reese James has been out. West Fofana, even, you think about what he brings to this team. I am so bummed he's out. You know, we're, we're talking about one and a half available fullbacks at a time. Do you think that the club are taking a little bit more of a patient approach and saying, look, if we had all of our players healthy, this season would be a lot different? Oh, 100%. They're definitely talking about that and looking at that. Absolutely no doubt about it. I just think um, what what needs to happen this month is that they continue to uh, do well enough that nobody panicked. So, okay, we, we're talking the night, the day after the, the Middlesbrough away, and that looks bad, um, and it was bad, but, you know, they have a second leg that you'd still expect them to get through on. Now, if they get through that second leg, they beat Fulham, then there's no real need for them to panic in the January transfer window. If the Fulham game doesn't go to plan and they actually mess up the second leg of the Middlesbrough game, then then someone somewhere might panic all of a sudden. Um, but you're, you're dead right. You know, people are definitely talking about the fact they haven't, they've not seen anywhere near what they would class their, their best or full team yet. And even in the attacking options, people have come in and come out because of injuries and they've not really been able to have a settled uh, front three, I think they do believe with the second front three, there are there are goals in that front three. And I look at it and think, Palmer, 
score goal. Clearly, he should have missed those two chances against Middlesbrough. Raheem Sterling, terribly disappointing on the goals front. He should be scoring more goals. Uh, I still I make a case for the fact that while Nico Jackson will miss chances, he probably will also score goals. And we don't really know what that what that would look like with Nkunku near him either. So, yes, I mean to your to your sort of point, absolutely. They they think that when people get fit, they will be better. And I think in an ideal world, a lot of people at the football club would let would like to be in a position in January where nobody has to panic and they can just start to let these players get fit and start coming back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's the hard part, right? And uh, just trying to analyze this team has been so tough this season because, like I said, you never know what you're going to get, but you never know. Like, the inconsistencies at Cobham have to be so hard for Poch and the group to manage. That doesn't mean that they haven't done, you know, well enough, but it's uh it's 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 weird it's tough and that's why like well, look, i think I'm look, a little... I mean, go ahead uh, what what look what i've always thought is that the the target at the start of the season was clearly to qualify for europe now they'd like that to have been champions league but i think um sort of the the hard target as it were would be qualify for europe and the soft target sorry qualify for the champions league and the soft target would be just qualify for europe um now, look, I, I'm not trying to uh, airbrush history and make everything look amazing and rosy, but we head into a weekend where Chelsea are three points off seventh. I think they're six points off sixth, and West Ham have an injury crisis. They're one leg away from getting to a final that would not only be them playing for silverware, but also European competition. And they're still in the FA Cup. So there's a lot of avenues still into Europe still open to them. Um, and yet the first half of the season has been pretty pretty poor and disappointing. I think everyone would would concur. Um, but I, I was going through it the other day, you know, that which, which January transfers have really worked for teams? I mean, Olivia Giroud, I think you could make a case for at Chelsea. Obviously, he was a January transfer window, wasn't he? He, he definitely worked. Bruno Fernandes at Manchester United, I think he was a January transfer. He worked. But honestly, go through the, the January deals that clubs make and there's so few that work. I mean, there's, there's really not many good long-term deals to be had in, in January for clubs anywhere, let alone Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, look, Jorginho to Arsenal last season. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to Did think he of work? teams. Didn't, did, did, did it worked for us. Didn't win the <laughs> it, worked, it worked for Chelsea, for sure. But, you know... He was meant to be the man who, who had the experience to get Arsenal over the line and win the league. He didn't. And now he's not really playing. He plays when everybody's not fit and he's not really good enough. He, he wasn't a good January transfer deal for Arsenal. No way. No, um, was... It was a good deal for Chelsea. Yeah, that was predictable. There just aren't, though. I mean, I, I really do subscribe to the theory that if you can, you're better off doing as little as possible in January because it's just so rare for anyone to get good deals in January. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last, there were some links light with uh, Todibo and Diomande. Uh, Todibo from Nice, Diomande from Sporting. These are center backs. And uh, yeah. I feel like, you know, granted, again, we're a little bit fragile in the health department, but like we've got quite a few center backs. I, did, I don't know if these are really needed. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, it seems there has been a look at centre-backs. I'm not told that they're, they're sort of really going for centre-back uh, for all the options you say, albeit, you know, 
I'm sure there's some long-term planning going on in terms of when Thiago Silva uh, finishes, which, you know, every year around this time of year, I probably think that Thiago Silva is going to finish and then he doesn't. Um, uh, but there'll be some long-term planning on going on there. Maybe, they, maybe they're having doubts over a couple of the essential defenders who are already at the club. I don't know. I don't think it's for January. I, I know a few people at Nice, and I've had to check this because Tottenham showed an interest in him. And Nice really don't think that Tadebo's leaving Nice this month. I think they think he will probably go in the summer, but Nice have got a lot to play for. Uh, it would cost an awful lot of money to get him out. Um, so, no, I, I don't think... The only way I thought Chelsea might do some sort of central defender was if it were a defender who could play in a couple of positions, i.e. full-back and central defence, and just give them sort of cover across the line. That's yeah. the only way I, I could see that kind of player coming in. Okay, perfect. I, rapid fire here at the end, all right, because we got to wrap, is injuries, updates. Do you have any ideas? Carney Tuck Maker going to come back for the FA Cup revenge tour against Aston Villa? He's close. He's close yes. now. Um, I, it seems that his injury was a lot lot worse than maybe we, we know about. I mean, I, I'm, I've been told that he's actually had to learn mechanically how to sort of run in a different way to stop getting injured. Um, That's they've had to do some why. real work with him over. Yeah, I, I think they've had to put in some real work with him and he's, he's maybe had to even, like I said, change his running style and his mechanics of how he moves his body to to make sure that he can he can stay fit in future. So I think he's probably been through a lot more than we, we give him credit for. So I hope he's I hope he's in a good position now. He's, he's certainly posting positive things. Um, and yeah, he's close now. So, you know, the, the FA Cup, I would imagine, will be the competition that, that the club and he look to as an opportunity to, to give him some minutes, which, uh, you know, might not be so good for my team, but um, good news for Carney, hopefully. All good. Um, Benoit, is, is it serious with him? Um, he, I saw he was doing some individual running. Um, Badia Shile we're talking about, right? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, he, was, he seems to be on a similar trajectory to what Ben Chilwell has been on in terms of his recovery. I think they were doing a bit of training on their own on the grass uh, this week. Um, so I think he's getting, getting close to being back with, with Chile too. Sanchez? Sanchez is going to be out a bit longer. He was due to see a specialist this week, and I don't know. What Pochettino did say was it definitely won't be surgery. He was seeing a specialist about how best they plan his recovery plan, but it it doesn't feel like he... It feels like he's going to be a while. But what I would say is um, Joel Petrovic is doing really, really well. You know, a bit of credit to him. I know this is a bit of a transfer pod and, and, and whatnot, but just... While I've got the opportunity, all credit to him. He's doing really well, I think. Yeah, I, look, I, it, Sanchez is more of like having your next best goalkeeper on the bench versus Bergstrom and Bettinelli, right? And and that's the only reason I bring it up. Yeah. Also interested, but hey, New England Revolution, a goalkeeper jumping from the MLS to the Premier League. I don't know if people understand how massive of a jump that is. And it wasn't like, hey, we're going to trickle in your minutes like a field player. It was... Time to go, sink or swim. Yeah, and, and look, at also, in age for a goalkeeper, it's very rare for, for that age of goalkeeper. I know 24 is not super young, but I think for a goalkeeper, 24 is the equivalent of sort of 20-ish for, a, for an outfield player. Um, 
with his lack of experience, with the size of club he's, he's playing in. I, yeah, yeah, it's really rare. But so far, he, he looks fantastic. And I do think when Sanchez comes back from injury, it's like onto the bench rather than into the team. Yeah. Um, again, just credits everyone involved. He's got a little bit more growing to do, but we're on the right track. Lastly, Lavia. Please tell me Lavia's going to come back soon. That was criminal that he was hurt so quickly. Yeah, I don't think he's... Uh, quite as close as bad as what I think Baddy Ashilo and Chilwell are, um, who are, I would say imminent. Um, but I don't think he's out for long either. I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to be too long for him at all. I'd be surprised if he was involved against against Fulham. But uh, yeah, with the fact there's not that many games in, in January, I don't think he'll, he'll miss too many games now. All right. Well, that's all I've got, Matt. Uh, we've juiced this one big time. So the fact that we didn't have that many transfers in to talk about, there's still a ton going on in this squad. Uh, again, check out Matt at the Telegraph on social. Great follow. A lot of a lot of colorful comments. I gotta I gotta watch you post about Timo Werner's Spurs kit, which is a little uncomfortable. Just feels weird, but we'll get through it. It does. It does. It does feel weird. And did you see my stat the other day? I, you know, someone pointed out to me that front three from the Champions League final who were all involved in the goal, you know, one of them made the assist, one of them scored the goal, and one of them made the run to free the assist. Yeah. Havertz, Arsenal, Mason, Man, Man United, Timo Werner, Tottenham Hotspur. I wonder what we'd have said to each other if one of us had said that would happen, say, even six months ago. Yeah. Not Crazy. what I, especially having been in Porto, never would have assumed that. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. tell you how crazy it's such a good it's such a good example of why you never say never in football but um and T yeah. Timo came from nowhere with Tottenham I know that that Man United were having a little look at him but but Tottenham came from nowhere it's a real shock uh and it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how he does that I think he's going to start more on the left than down the middle so maybe they'll be counting on his assists rather than him in front of goal well, that's what Chelsea did. So <laughs> anyways, we're going to wrap there, Matt. Massive appreciation. Go give him a follow. Check it out. Uh, but we're going to be back with even more content. We got the um, the full match preview with Sam, CFC Central, tomorrow and Dan. And then obviously match day, Fulham. A little bit of rivalry. You going to beat that one, Matt? Yes, I will. I'm looking forward to it. I like uh, Actually, no. I, I, I like that game a lot. Um, I do not like the lunchtime kickoffs. I hate lunchtime kickoffs. But I'm still looking forward to the game. Yeah, I mean, look, that's very understandable. I think you've uh, been on record saying that is the worst <laughs> kickoff uh, the, for look, the 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 atmosphere. Atmosphere is always bad, and I always find the game itself is generally quite a sleepy game. So, I Chelsea are going to have to wake everybody up in that game. But no doubt, uh, we need a goal right away. So Fulham not on great form, so it's a good chance for Chelsea to uh, uh, quickly make us forget about that. And then we have a little bit of a break. Anyways, Matt, I'm going to wrap there. Appreciate you so much. Uh, Chelsea fans, more content. As always, get involved in the Discord. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Yeah.